This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, your raconteur upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as I always am, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how have you been this week? I am good, Dave. How are you on this wonderful pre-summer week? I'm doing okay. I I had um it's been a bit of a weird couple of weeks um where I've been during the Easter holidays with work going on different like adventures, jumping off piers and climbing mountains and stuff like that. So to have a relatively chill week just watching thunder and being in a house on a and on a regular work schedule is kind of <laughs> odd to me now and refreshing. Um but it's yeah, it's good. Um, I was only just thinking there, Lee, before, uh, as I was doing my intro, is like now that um, Stagger Lee ha- has dearly departed us um, on the on the timeline, uh, gone off to pastures new in the the internet location. Mm. Um, should should we be thinking about a, a refresh to your moniker, or or does it it really doesn't get much better than Stagger Lee though, does it? I mean, the only other option would be Sergeant Buddy Lee. Sergeant Buddy Lee, yeah. Um, but I don't think it get it doesn't get any better than Stagger Lee. No, and we can't just interchange you with Tanae, who's there now. Like, no. I, I don't think Iron Lee Malone sounds as good, or well, the, you know, there's already the professor. An, there's already an Iron Mike on the uh, on the podcast network. Oh, this is true. Yeah, yeah. Shout outs. Um, yeah, like I, it's it's just it, that's just occurred to me now. We never had a big send off for Lee Marshall. He was just very, like, gradually, we were weaned off him. They, they, and I'll miss him. They just kind of decided that the second hour team was the team to put on every show. Yeah, yeah. I uh, look, you know, I'm a noted fan of Mike Tanay. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to have him. But uh, I'll miss that that silky Tony the Tiger voice. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Lee, have you been watching much, uh, you know, before we get into... Um, the WCW of it all. Have you been watching much uh, this last couple of weeks, wrestling or otherwise? No. <laughs> you haven't? Yeah, you've been like you've been a very busy boy. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just a very busy person at the moment between yeah. children, wife, family, work, <laughs> the, occa- wife. the occasional bit of sleep. Yeah. This is my wife. Her name is wife. <laughs> Not even just my wife, just wife. If you talk to my wife, she would probably say that I would introduce her as the wife. As wife. <laughs> as herself. <laughs> Capital H herself. 
Um, 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 have I been watching anything? Oh God, I I don't think I have. Like I have the Batman here to watch, and I still haven't got around to oh, watching it. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, uh, that's on my list. I yeah. the only time I really get to watch something consistently is either if there's a match on, yeah, or I'm feeding the baby. So I had to generally tend to have something kind of wholesome yeah. and just easy to watch on yeah that's it like uh now that you have the, the the second child it's harder to like you had a nice long while there of being able to watch all the wrestling all the time because the big dog wanted to watch mm-hmm. some wrestling with you but the big dog there's a new sheriff in town oh yeah and plus he yeah. he now has a tv and a computer in his room so oh so he is you so he's not coming out there till he's 18 now oh, he's gone that's it that's it <laughs> you've sent him off to the retirement home <laughs> um i i've watched a bit uh do you know what i watched a lot of since our last show uh non-wrestling first um is better call saul okay uh, see, i never got into breaking bad so better call saul ne- oh, lee, never ha- lee. never held anything from me lee this is oh you are fucking what <laughs> This is like, I don't want to be that guy because I'm very aware for a long time I was that guy about The Wire. Mm. Um, so I will just say, you should watch that show. It's excellent. I have, Breaking Bad. I've done the thing of I've watched the first three episodes a couple of times. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it's one of those where you need to get to a certain episode. And it just becomes a habit of watching it, I know, and you get invested. Yeah. I know, but I just can't get there yet. There, look, there is a scene in a car park with a shiny axe. And if you can make a run and get to that episode, it's like maybe one of the first ones in season two. Like from then, pretty much on to the end of the last season, it like builds and builds and builds mm. and you just won't be able to stop. But uh, Better Call Saul is one that I did that where I watched like the first couple of episodes a couple of times because I think I jumped into it right when it started. And I don't think I was like... I don't think I was in the mood to jump straight back into the Breaking Bad world because, like, it's such a perfect little package, that original show. And, Mm. you know, you're always um, wary about prequels or spinoffs. And, um, yeah, I just didn't give it a chance. But, you know, mainly my co-host and Link to the Cast, Jack Lazell, was like, no, you you just need to fucking watch this show, mate. Uh, Finally did. And I have gorged... uh, because the la- the final season of it literally just started last week. So it was like, I want to try to get caught up just in time. And I just missed it by a few days. I got caught up to the season that's just airing last night. Okay. Um. So I, I did pretty well. That's like five seasons crunched in less than two weeks. Oh, God. Are, are they doing yeah. the slow rollout on this season? It's not all uh, instantly available. So I think it was like two episodes dropped on the first week and then one episode this week and because it's airing on AMC over in the States. So I think that's how it'll, okay. how it'll proceed, which is cool for me. Like, it's actually a rare treat now to have to wait a week for a show rather than feel the intimidating. There's there's 22 episodes for you now, mate. Uh, yeah. No, I kind of hate that now. <laughs> there's a, uh, a girl that works in the office where I, where I work and every weekend like on a Monday I'll say to her so what shows did you binge watch this weekend because she just watches yeah. everything yeah and it's just like I don't know how she does it well I do I tried. she doesn't have children yeah <laughs> I, I have more of a quality filter on stuff now because even though I, I don't have children yet um, 
my time is more at a premium than it than it ever mm-hmm. was. Like in my twenties, when I didn't have a job, sometimes it's like I could just watch anything. So I have more of a quality filter on what I actually invest my time in now. Mm-hmm. But I still try to watch all the like the prestige stuff. Um, but something that absolutely wasn't prestige that I just decided on a fucking whim to watch was um the entire Star Wars prequel trilogy. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to spend long on that. Absolute horseshit, start to finish. <laughs> just absolute. Like historic levels of bollockery. It was just oh my god! Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I could I could actually spend a good hour going on about these, but it's like I I haven't watched the three bell to bell in about ten years. Okay, I was like maybe with time I'll realize that it was kind of you know the way like the late two thousands early twenty tens was like. For our generation, it was the start of us getting really into snark and picking yeah. apart movies mm-hmm. and things like that. I was like, maybe I was being too harsh at the time, trying to be like, you know. Cutting edge. I was, yeah, yeah, I was like 21, 22 at the time. Didn't have a fucking clue about movies, but I knew people liked listening to people being angry about movies. Um, watched the back. Nope. Horseshit. Unmitigated horseshit. It, just some of the absolute worst trash you'll ever see in your life with the odd like little nugget of something cool it's like oh hey Darth Maul looks pretty cool oh hey D- Duel of the Fates is a really good song and then like just slopping more shit onto the plate then for hours upon hours upon hours oh just fucking <sighs> just think about it as a cash grab because that's all it was yeah, that's that's all it was. Uh, hey, though, I I did watch for the first time in a long, long while, uh, and I'm afraid I'm going to get the bug uh, again. I watched some New Japan professional wrestling. Okay. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I watched the the big show they 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 just did over stateside. Oh, um, um the American show. What was it called? Or the 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 Chicago show? Yeah, yeah, the one in Chicago. Uh, and I watched, basically I did what we should all do at New Japan shows and just lop off the first half of that show and go for the big matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it was so after, I think a lot of people in the West, their their interest waned over COVID. Partly, yes, because of COVID and the clap crowds for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the empty arenas as well when that was happening. Uh, but also just the, the, the booking uh, as well, I just lost a lot of interest in the people I mm-hmm. liked in in New Japan. Um, but let me tell you, I was getting a little bit of the oh yeah, this this is what it's like when it's good because you know in, in the states they could have crowds cheering, mm-hmm. uh, and two, I got to enjoy myself watching uh, Ishii versus Suzuki, yeah. which is just like just battering the bollocks off each other. It, it's exactly what Brilliant. Ishii Suzuki match would have been, yeah. And have you seen this Moxley Osprey match? Yet, I haven't like? yet. I, I started it, and then of course something came up. So, but yeah, no, I am. It, it's on my list. Lee, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> like it is so good. There's a moment. So it was pretty cool getting to see um, the United Empire like all in the same building at the same time during the entrance. I like saw and realizing this hasn't was, happened yeah, before. The entrance was so good. So it looked big time, but then. The match starts with, like, Osprey goes to the ring, but then he bails out of the ring, and he goes and stands at the corner of the fencing, waiting for Mox to come out. And when Mox comes out, the United Empire have cleared a line in the crowd. Like, it's like Aussie Open and the other boys, like, holding the crowd back mm-hmm. so that there's just a pathway so that Mox and Osprey can stare each other down, and they just go 
hell for leather from the start. It's so good. So good that I'm just like, oh, May's rolling around. I might I might resub and catch up because I'd heard some of the New Japan Cup matches were pretty mm. good. <laughs> and everybody's saying that Japan are like right on the precipice of rolling back they're, their restrictions. Yeah, they're about to. There's, there's um, mm. outsiders going to be invested as Super Juniors now's the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we know Forbidden Door is coming up. Mm-hmm. So are we going to get some some crossover for the G1 as well? You know, it's oh, I'm starting to get just a little little bit of that itch back it's amazing what yeah. uh, good wrestling can do to you isn't it there's nothing like it and it's one of those things where now that uh, WWE have done me the great service of making all of their product completely unwatchable I have a little bit of time to watch another you know if it wasn't for having to watch Thunder mm-hmm. that subscription would have been binned at probably the guts of two years ago yeah. uh, at this stage but anyway, I, I digress. Lee, we've got a couple of bits of business uh, to attend to. The first thing is to uh, hold out, doff our, our, our caps, hold them out for a few uh, pennies to be dropped in them. Um, <laughs> we have we have done a remarkably poor job of selling ourselves on this program. Um, and uh, it is much to the spare of one rich crate who <laughs> went to the effort of getting us this thing and has been never talked about it on a podcast. Um, but if you fancy uh, a one-time donation of a couple of bucks, you know, the, the price of a cup of coffee or the price of uh, a pint of uh, of one of our finest. Um, or, or, the, or the price of a mortgage payment, whatever suits you. Oh, look, no upper limit. Like, if you want to <laughs> donate to us the GDP of a small country, fuck it. You you do you. That's that that's the great thing uh, about this service. Is, is You're free to do what you want. Um, Voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. Uh, it's like a, a nice splash page for if you like any of the, the podcasts on our August network, you can click a button and uh, send a couple of quid our way to let us know you appreciate us. Uh, no obligation whatsoever at all um, to do so. Uh, as we've always said before, uh, your, your bi-weekly helping of Days of Thunder will never uh, go behind a, a paywall. Uh, we would never ask you to pay for this, but it does help us with, you know, the payments for the Zoom and the the little bits and pieces to keep Lee's tin cannon string uh, working there. <laughs> it's not that bad. Come on, I'm no Joe Lanza. I, I nearly, do you know what? Like, it's it's funny the things that get lost in the back of your head. When I went to say tin cannon string, I very nearly did the R.D. Reynolds uh, inflection from, from WrestleCrap. Uh, R.I.P. Blade, by the way, obviously. Um, very nearly just lapsed into it there, and I haven't listened to that show in a long, long time. Um, but yeah, so that, that's where you can go to donate to the podcast. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you do, but no bother if you can't. We know, uh, t- you know, times, times are tight, yeah, so we appreciate anything you can give. Uh, but we appreciate your ears wrapped around this podcast and a nice podcast hug, uh, most of all. Um, second bit of business is just a little teaserly. Um, so this is the go home episode for Uncensored ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And what I am going to say here is there is going to be a Tony Khan sized announcement on the next episode of Days of Thunder. Uh, what are some of the the superlatives he always uses that like it changed the face of Days of Thunder and. Are you doing a Dixie Can 
it'll change the industry announcement. Change the industry, yeah. So we're we're gonna have a bit of an announcement uh, on the next show about a, a special uh, a special little project we've been uh, working our, our ourselves uh, towards for a little while. Uh, I think we're just about ready to tell people about it. So look forward to that on the Uncensored show. As if there wasn't reason to listen to Uncensored ninety nine on this show already. <laughs> oh, when we go through this rundown for this pay per view at the end of this show. Fuck me running. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. Before we get into that, before we get into that show, one last thing as well. And that is, we promised this last week. Uh, we have a new episode. So after the pay-per-view, the next episode will be uh, the latest in the Thunder Request live series. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't remember, um, last year on our old podcast network, we put out the call for people to uh, donate a bit of money to that network to keep the lights on pay for the, the, the SoundCloud and stuff for another year. Uh, and we said, if you bid over a certain amount, we will do a show of your choice. Uh, once it wasn't in the timeline behind us or in front of us uh, or something like, you know, like we do with Garrett and Liam, the WWE shows. So those are kind of the only things that are off limits. Apart from that, whatever the fuck you want, didn't even have to be wrestling. Um, and we got, we were overwhelmed with the amount we got back. Um, and yeah, we've been doing a wheel of fate system to decide who is up next, um, for the last while. We've had, uh, two, two of these TRL specials so far, Lee, and I think, uh, listeners have enjoyed them quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different in that we tend to do a kind of a play by play. We kind of watch and the show as we're recording and people seem to enjoy it. It's a little bit different to what they're normally used to from us. And yeah, it's it. We enjoy doing it as well. More important, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The the, the first two of them, uh, we we were quite proud of them for something, a format we'd never done before, and like, um, the, the kind of having to train yourself to record audio in a different way, where you're not actively trying to fill the silences because you can't just talk for a whole three hours. <laughs> We give it a go. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We try our very best. There are still very few silences. I will say that. Um, but yeah, so we use the Wheel of Fate system. Um, the only rule we had said for this Wheel of Fate is so there are two shows that are kind of interlinked in a timeline of their own. So um, when we draw one of them, we will do the other one next. Yes. yes. Um, so... Um, by my count, Lee, there are three left on the, there are three left. the wheel here. Okay, so I am going to spin this wheel and we will announce. First, on this show, we'll say who the Twitter user is who won. Mm-hmm. And then at the at the end of the Uncensored show, we'll reveal what the show was. Uh, so that everybody uh, has a week if they want to watch it before our commentary track or they can... Uh, prime themselves uh, to watch along with us as some listeners have done which blows my mind but anyway right here we go wheel of fate let's do it and your winner is it's at dr annoyed grunt on twitter which i do believe is one of our shows that is interlinked with the other am i right it is it is Okay, so I I actually I I believe it's the first and it's actually worked out well. It's the first in the timeline of a particular so it's, organization. It's, yeah, yes. So yeah. So yeah. 
even if the other person had been drawn first, we probably would have went to the show anyway, but it's worked out yeah. well. Yeah. That this this is the way it's run. Okay, so I think we can now what we can actually reveal is the order in which the remaining Twitter users will get their shows done because that mm-hmm. has made the path very clear for us. So uh it will be Dr. Annoyed Grunt's show first. The TRL four then will be Travis Dykes. Uh, his show that he picked and then finishing off last but not least with a longtime friend of the show Aaron Quinn uh, getting to round out uh, this first series but not the last of uh, Thunder Request Live um, so thank you all again very much and now I suppose um, on with the show um, but but before we get to the Thunder Dave just as yes. I'm sitting here and I'm Drinking my beverage, I have to ask: Are you a tea drinker, Dave? I'm, I'm not, Lee. I, n- I never have been. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to warm to hot beverages. Uh, okay, so you're not a tea or a coffee guy. No, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Is this is this leading somewhere? Am no, being... no, no. It's, it's uh, genuine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here drinking a cup of tea, and yeah. I'm just so about a year and a half ago. I, I had my first hot chocolate. Get the fuck ever. out of here. Yeah. Uh, and that's been my like, so I'm kind of into the hot chocolates now when the weather is cold. And then the next step I'm I'm told is the mocha, which is like half and half. And then it, I'll be on to coffee. It, it's barely a coffee. Yeah. 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 So th- that's, that's the way I'm being, uh, my family are trying to drag me into it. Because the only source of caffeine in my life now as I age is an old Pepsi Max, maximum taste, <laughs> zero sugar, or a Coke Z. Um. So yeah, that's that. That's all I got for the caffeine. Which yeah, in my thirties, uh, I need more caffeine than I did in my twenties to get Absolutely. going. Absolutely, yeah. No, <laughs> because sure. I I up until a couple of weeks ago, I was a like four or five coffees a day person. Jesus. And then I realized it's like I am drinking way too much coffee. <laughs> it's like I can feel my eyeballs vibrate at night. That's probably not good. And uh, so I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll stop drinking coffee for a while. So I went like a week or 10 days without any coffee. Yeah. And but what I did was I substituted tea into the oh. rotation. Like just bog standard tea just or are you going just fancy? Regular, just okay. regular tea. I, I went through a green tea phase. Yeah. And my skin was incredibly clear, but... You know, it's not it's not good when you're dipping in now, but you just end up covered in fucking spots. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Lee, it sounds like you're drinking healthier. And the next step after that, then, for all of us, I think, in life is to start eating healthier. And on that note, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you by our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why they're America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh's chefs really know how to diversify the menu with seasonal recipes like salmon limon and pasta primavera. Pick your favourites from 50 different weekly options and skip weeks when you need to. Change your delivery date or update your preferences all in the HelloFresh app. To avail of a special offer made to you by the people at HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and 
three free gifts. Fancy that. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use the promo code VOW16. And now back to the lads. Okay, we're back and hitting Thunder, episode 54. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, USA. 11th of March, 1999. And Lee, much as it would become apparent within seconds... This is the second half of a double shot taping. No. Uh, leading into the pay per view. <laughs> oh, man, this show sucked. <laughs> this was a diabolical episode of Thunder. And do you know what the thing that upset me the most was about it? It was Thunder. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so d- what I should say is Lee, do you know what upset me more than the usual amount <laughs> watching this? That there was a lot of just repeating stuff we've already seen before. Again, different from the <laughs> usual stuff. <laughs> um, there was no Nitro Girls. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no the the thing that annoyed me the most is that there is so there is scant wrestling on this program. There mm-hmm. is. It, it, it feels like a long time since the days of... Do you remember there'd be, like, Thunders with eight matches on them? Yeah. Now, they were all squash matches, apart from maybe one. But and now they're travel. Now they're like, that's way too much effort. So it's all video packages, and almost always video packages we've already seen, even though yeah. we're only watching Thunder on this show. So it's a fucking... The thing that fucked me off about this was that for the most part, there are obviously always exceptions, for the most part, I was actually pretty into the wrestling that was on this show. And if they'd given half of these matches another five minutes, this would have been... And and cut out, like, two of the video packages we'd seen before. Mm. We'd be coming on this show going, this was a home run thunder. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, the wrestling was perfectly adequate. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's more the stuff in between that really just like. And, oh. and we know. So look, yes, it's a, it's the go home show for a pay per view, and they have. Uh, they have to defer to that and really do the hard sell on the pay per view stuff. Mm. But in months past, they have done this way better. You know, yes, there's some stuff you've seen before, but there's also like video packages or commentaries putting over heavy match X, Y, and Z. And, and honestly, the only match that they're really putting over huge on this is, and, and look, rightfully so, this should be the most promoted match, but the Flair Hogan match, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we'll get into the segments that were repeated on this, but I think even if you took those out, the ones we had seen in their entirety before, it was still getting heavily pushed on the show. It was still getting heavily pushed on the show. So it mm-hmm. served no additional purpose. I don't think there's a single person who watched this show in 1999 and went, okay, now that I've seen that seven and a half minute long interview segment again, I'm finally going to pay for the pay-per-view. I, I don't think this got a, a, an extra butt in a seat. I don't think this got an extra pay-per-view by... I think this was just, this is classic WCW in as much as all we're focused on right now is the pay-per-view. We're just going to fart out a, basically a clip show yeah. uh, three days beforehand. When, again, we've seen Thunders that probably did talk a few extra people into the building or a few extra buys. I mean, we said it. it 
the the go home shows for sold out and Super Bowl were very yeah. very good. You have you your prediction game has been strong the last two mm. pay per view cycles because you just paid attention to the show. Yeah. Uh, whereas this time, holy hell, you're gonna have some fun at the end of this show. I'm not looking forward to this one at all. No. Um, but anyway, it is three days out from Uncensored and the huge Flair versus Hogan match for all the marbles. Uh, I do like uh, the color coordination of our three commentators this week. Um, they're all essentially wearing the thunder colors of blue or dark blue with a bit of gray as well. Mm. Um, you know, today. Go on, yeah. I was going to say, I do not think that was thought out. No, I, I think it was purely accidental. Um, and it's the one shot of them we get all night. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a moment in this show where they really tip their caps a bit too much that they weren't in the building. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, see if you noticed it as well. Um, our opening contest, this is where I thought we might have been off to a good start because there was very little faff before we got to a match. And I was a little bit hopeful. Um they do remind us though as this match is going to the ring that uh, they have added what by my count is about the 47th stip for the Flair versus Hogan match and that's if Flair loses he must retire not just leave WCW but the entire industry as well so uh, note that one down for later Uh, our opening match is Raven with Chastity versus Dave Taylor Um, has Dave Taylor ever been less than 48 years old no and I don't think he I don't think he would work if he was anything less than a middle-aged man in a single no no yeah he, yeah, he very he projects massive they turn the weans against us energy <laughs> and I really love it you know I've said it on the show before like I love grumpy old man Dave Taylor yeah. you know I was a big fan years later when he was involved in that um that multi-tag team ladder match and his gimmick leading up to it was that he was afraid of climbing ladders because he's just like old. <laughs> that, that, was, that was good shit. Um, Raven gets a, a big shout out during his entrance here from me because he's not just wearing like, uh, again, you know, he went with um, his black bolt in human shirt last mm. time. Uh, this time, not just a Sandman t-shirt, but a Sandman mystery theater t-shirt incredibly specific I love it I, I I saw the shirt I registered what it was and I knew you'd explain exactly what it meant yeah so part of the uh, the Sa- Neil Gaiman Sandman series that is just iconic and like we've all seen him and the Sandman wear Sandman shirts mm. um, over the years but this is like a, a very specific Sandman mystery theatre like a very specific reference to an anthology series that's part of the the wider Sandman universe so it's like even within a nerdy reference it's a nerdy reference so I like that good job um, <laughs> uh, can I just say that this might have been the biggest pop that Raven has ever given me in a promo which line was it? Was it the you don't sweat much for a fat guy? Yes. So there was, there was two lines. One made me chuckle and that was saying that he had a match against two boneheads on Sunday. Yeah. I uh, think, I think uh, he, what what's the line he says? He says, you know, a lot of the old timers said to me, you, ha- you have to build up your opponents. So he's like, bam, bam, you got some nice tattoos. Yeah. Hack, you don't sweat much for a fat guy. 
and I, I lost it as well. Just brilliant. I was just, and you know, I was so disappointed in the crowd for not like, I lost it. And the crowd was just, it was just tumbleweeds. They don't deserve Raven. No. Um, don't sweat much for a fact. <laughs> um, as this match starts, um, Heenan is overwhelmed by lust for chastity. It's disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't It doesn't get quite into Jerry Lawler territory, thank God. No. But it's like, it's very much, you know, uh, like, cartoon wolf auga, uh, where he's just sitting there, he's like, oh my God, she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's not the Bobby Heenan I want. No, no. Um, this was... I, like, it was a short match, but do you know what I really enjoyed about it, Lee? Oh, For perhaps oh. the first time ever on Thunder Road, I was getting to watch Raven as a babyface. Yeah, they've kind of leaned back into him being a face again. Like, Since they- he kind of did that, like, at home with the Ravens, and then basically fucking dropped whatever the fuck that was. Mm. Uh, yeah, they, 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 kind of, they, they kind of put him back in the tag team of Canyon, but now that seems to have been pushed to the side again yeah and Canyon then, was nowhere to be seen now he's just kind of the de facto face in this three way feud yeah um, which is do you know what like it's it's something different for Raven and they're still finding like a feud for him and something for him to do so that's cool because you know we're fans of Raven on this show absolutely Um, like just seeing the crowd um, Raven goes to do the 10 punch spot classic baby face spot mm-hmm. and the crowd are counting along with him and then, like, Dave Taylor gets the heat a few seconds later and boos. And, like, some of the loudest reactions on the show, honestly, um, yeah, in the, this like, match. The crowd is really weird because we see it later on in the tag match that they're really engaged with what's going on. Yeah. It just, there doesn't seem to be enough of it throughout the whole show. They're giving them nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the comeback is pretty quick. Um, I got to say, I loved the finish. Yes, I absolutely love the finish because right before the finish, Raven gets a backslide for a two count. Yeah. And they kind of transition through a couple of little spots and then he goes for the backslide again. Ortiz is going for the backslides. Yeah, he does and, a backslide fake out. Yeah, and Taylor thinks he's after slipping out of it, but he just falls right into the even flow. Brilliant. Yeah, he's like, so he goes to do, he goes to like feign like he's doing the backslide again and mm-hmm. Dave Taylor tries to counter it by straightening his back but yeah. that gives up his head and Raven in one movement goes from being in the backslide position to like rolling around him and he's got him sat even mm-hmm. flow pin. Um, didn't think he could necessarily hit an even flow out of nowhere but he basically did. I, I was just going to say that like it wouldn't be a bad idea to give Raven that kind of DDP-esque even flow out of nowhere on anybody kind of style. It would work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for him as well, who like, you know, if he's going to go down this route, you know, at least for now of being a sympathetic baby face, um, that he could do that. Although I suppose, you know, with somebody later on in the show, they are doing that thing where he gets beaten up and then does flash pins. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I would totally get if they didn't want to do it with, with two different people. Um, yeah, match was fine. Really good finish, though. Um, then we get, for the first of multiple times on this show, 
a menacing cage construction vignette. Like, at, at least we know where uh, Eric Bischoff got the idea for the Elimination Chamber videos. That that's exactly where my brain went as well. Fifteen foot high. <laughs> <laughs> from no the mind doors. of Eric Bischoff <laughs> yeah and do you know what that was a great video package but this was do you know what if it was just this one for like a couple of seconds it's like oh mm-hmm. that's cool they're showing the construction of this thing because Flair did say in his promo he's having this cage specifically constructed for this match so that makes sense mm-hmm. but they go on to replay this exact same thing At twice more. more is it twice or three times oh maybe three times We'll count them as they go. And then, like, at the very end, the last one they play is essentially an extended cut of that with some voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, again, do better, lads. It wouldn't have... It really wouldn't have uh, cost what? you that much more money to shoot, like, three different vignettes of, like, the construction or the schematics or... Or just try a quick squash match. Yeah, or try, yeah, again, give the good matches on this five minutes more. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, then, speaking of pointless segments, we get a complete start-to-finish replay of what I'm calling from last week my dinner with Andre, where it's just two guys in a room fucking talking. I couldn't believe it when... I was like, maybe they're just showing this for 30 seconds. I, I thought that's what they were going to do. Just just like the cliff notes. They Rick. showed the whole thing again. Yeah. The Ric Flair, Aaron Anderson in the locker room. Just the two of them. Shatner, just the two of them. Good fucking God. Uh, but you know what? It was a good opportunity to go out and get a sandwich. Because it what is kind, like... What kind of sandwich did you get? Uh, toasted ham and cheese. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomato? Uh no, we didn't. We don't have any at the moment. I wanted to put a bit of red onion in it, but th- also th- we were out. I've never understood why they call that a toasted special when there's tomato on it. Uh, maybe it could like I don't know. Maybe it's an Ireland thing where it comes back to, to times where like tomatoes were fucking exotic. <laughs> because you know, I mean, for for anyone not in Ireland, do you ever go into like a pub and you get you know pub grub? You'll yeah. always see. You'll always see. Uh, toasted ham and cheese sandwich i can't believe we're back to snack talk again by the way snack talk was very over the last week it was oh (laughs) snack talk is over huge with the thunder buddies um but yeah you go in you get you ask for a toasted ham and cheese sandwich that's what you'll get you'll get ham and cheese and a bit of toast yeah um but toasted special that that's ham cheese and tomato (laughs) yeah can I just like? Can I just say as well to describe Ireland? Like it was re. It, it's really only like the last five to ten years where uh, things have gotten like actually, um, you know, multicultural in terms of palates and food options and uh, and things like that. Like again, Ireland is the kind of country where in most places you know, before about five or ten years ago, if you were getting, like, a sandwich or a salad or something like that, mm. and you asked for spring onions or scallions, as we would call them here, if you asked for that on your food, they'd be like, mm. <laughs> like, you're, like you're, yeah, like you're getting ideas above your station. <laughs> the, the tweet I saw that encapsulated Ireland better than anything, and I think you know the tweet I'm going to refer to here, was somebody talking about how, I, like, 
this is the thing anybody who gets ideas above their station in Ireland is prime target to have the absolute history oh yeah. yeah like for example you the highest concentration of people on this earth that dislike the band U2 are in Ireland oh yeah 100% I, I drove past Bono's house the other the other night when we were on our uh, on our residential trip away and I was compelled to roll down the window in the bus and boo him <laughs> I don't even know if he was there but I just said boo at the window to his security staff basically they deserve but anyway the, the tweet I saw that best encapsulates the Irish culture that like, oh, anybody with notions gets taken down a peg or two was somebody saying, they, they tweeted like, that's the last time I tried to be stylish in Ireland. I wore a red beret out once and someone said, all right, Super Mario. <laughs> that's Ireland's like. So I have no problem believing that like, if you want to add a, a little couple of slices of tomato to your ham and cheese toasted sandwich, that they're just like, oh, a toasted special, is it? But I mean, you know yourself, how many times would you go into a restaurant or, or a pub or a takeaway or anything, and you'll see the menu, and at the end of it, it'll say, no alterations. Yeah, no, oh, Jesus, no. You do not change what's on that menu. The idea, Ireland found out about the idea of food allergies about six months ago. <laughs> it feels like uh, legit. I would say it's definitely like the last five years where people are like a lot more conscious of you know nuts yep. and soy allergies and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 my, my grandmother said this to me recently. She was just like, it just feels like. Do you know what? Like egg and nut allergies. Yeah. Like, it just feels like there's a lot more people with egg or nut allergies around nowadays. And I said, no, it's just people didn't give a fuck what allergies people had before a few years ago. It was... Now there's options. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I'm allergic to Ashley B. Grant. Yeah. Like, Emma <laughs> became Emma became uh, vegetarian about five years ago. And she was saying that, like, when she started... The, the start of being vegetarian was so hard over here because at the time, the options in every place you went to, to have dinner were the exact same and it was a veggie burger which was always the bird's eye frozen veggie awful, burger awful and she's like I don't mind those but when that's the only thing I can have you know but in the yeah. last like maybe 2019 was or maybe 2018 I could give Ireland some credit sometime in 2018 um, slash 19 uh, there started to be a bit more kind of dynamic it wasn't just that or the the other thing used to be like if you got a thing and like say you got nachos somewhere and it's like oh I don't want meat in those nachos mm. they just replaced the space where there was mince with more veg <laughs> there wasn't such a thing as like a you know like a a, a vegetarian mince or anything like no, that no, like no. oh fuck that fuck that oh yeah Ireland's great guys <laughs> I mean I grew up eating like um my my dad was a chef in the army or something as as a younger man, yeah. so like he would make lasagna and that was so exotic. When it came to like what my friends were eating as children, even though there probably wasn't like a fresh vegetable within an arse's roar of it, or was there? <laughs> oh no, he made he made a fresh. I'll give oh, him credit. No, because no, like my like at home, you know, my gran granny would make lasagnas for us as well, but it was like literally it was dal mio, so it was like. 
just the sauce in the jar, the mm. meat, the pasta and the cheese. And that was fucking it. Like there was no, let's dice up an onion and put it in here. There oh, was really? No. I'm very thankful that she wasn't one of these people that put mushrooms uh, into uh, a lasagna or anything like that. Because I personally think that mushrooms are a plague against this world uh, and should be absolutely and without hesitation be eradicated from the face of the earth. Um, but, you know, that's just me sitting here being right. Um <laughs> Anyway, f- here's here's a great segue. Uh, from lasagnas to tag team wrestling. Uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> I know, mate. Gotta get this thing back on the fucking tracks. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing for you. Yeah. So, Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. For, how about this? Right, rewind that. <laughs> Soli, you enjoy dishes where uh, <laughs> meat is mixed with exotic sauces. Well, how about teams exotic where one style, of wrestlers, <laughs> one style of wrestlers mixed with a piece of shit? I nearly got that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Almost got it. Almost got there. <laughs> how, about, how about from, well, from well, <laughs> if you like your Dolmio sauces Dolmio Dolmio do I have a match for you oh my god <laughs> how, about, how about we go from tough to lost my mind I can't Tough to stomach food to tough to stomach wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Because in this match we have Terrible Theodore and Manly Mark, a.k.a. Disorderly Conduct. Yeah, yeah. Very much the undercooked pasta of tag team wrestling, as I've (laughs) always said. (laughs) The true al dente wrestlers. <laughs> Help! <laughs> this is the one that broke me, man. This, this. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So disorderly conduct are back, and they get you know. I I found this funny because. You know, this is a show notorious for trying to kill time, even though there's like an hour and 26 minutes of broadcast television. But still, even though they're trying to kill time, <laughs> disorderly conduct don't deserve an entrance. So they got the rare already in ring on Thunder, which are usually only reserved for the dark match geeks, like when Dinsmore showed up. Yeah, but I mean, they shouldn't be on TV at all. <laughs> Let's be honest. No. Um, Lee, uh, in the the bottom of the barrel thunder tag team genre, disorderly conduct or high voltage? I love me some high voltage. Do you? Yeah. Robbie Royd. Oh, Robbie Royd is one of my favourites. <laughs> He's your absolute favourites. I mean, hook him to my veins. I mean, <laughs> I mean he certainly did. <laughs> Oh my god! 
they're facing the team, uh, the four horsemen team of Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit here. Um, Tanay reminds us that the horsemen are going to get their rematch with Hennig and Wyndham in a lumberjack strap match at the pay per view. And Henning did a, or um, Tanay did a better job of putting her over than Malenko. For sure. Um, you know, I'll go through the kind of stuff that happens in, in this match, brief as it is, Lee. But um, I feel like this match, not so much the promo afterwards, but this match kind of basically did what it should have. Um, these guys are getting heated up to take on the tag team champions. They shouldn't be wasting their time for too long with disorderly conduct. They should not be going 50-50 with them. So, basically, these two guys just beat the shit out of two jobbers. Oh, yeah. I don't think um, disorderly conduct get more than, like, a little flurry of offense, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Benoit runs wild with strikes and snap suplexes straight away. God, those snap suplexes look great. So good, yeah. Um, Horseman, absolutely not fucking about. Dean comes in, double elbows. Uh, Dean continues the beating. Uh, He nearly taps me and Mike out with a clover leap straight away. Um, Hang on, do you uh, know the difference between me and Mike and the other one? No, and neither did the commentary team. No, because they, they, they were never afraid to as such. Until the very end, when they did the replay, they must have obviously paused to try and figure out which one was which as they were recording it, because it's like right at the, when they're doing the replay of the finish, they go, oh yeah, he's after knocking Tough Tom out there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. His I name isn't Tough Tom, Tom, is it? Yeah, Tough Tom and Mean Mike. Is it? Really? It was hardly fucking Tiny Tim, is it? <laughs> I mean, I can't remember. I don't know. Fucking... Bang average lasagna and <laughs> Captain Al Dente. Fuck. He didn't give a fuck last time. I called him one of them Salty Sally. That is um, true. So, uh, yeah, Cloverleaf attempt. Tough Tom tries to interfere. He gets knocked out of the ring. Tag, back suplex, Benoit headbutt, horseman win, and they hoof me and Mike out after the bell. Um... Dean then calls out the tag champ saying, you know, the typical baby face, we don't want to wait uh, till uncensored. Uh, Champs slowly wander out. Disorderly conduct attempt a sneak attack, but they get beaten up for a second time over and they get put in uh, the horseman's submission moves, respectively. Um, This was the moment, Lee, uh, during this post-match schmoz where uh, our commentary team uh, very clearly showed they weren't in the building. Did you notice this? I didn't notice, no. So, Winnig, uh, Wyndham and Hennig, even, not Winnig, fucking, you know, the tag team champions, Winnebago. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously managed by Charlie Sheen winning. Yeah. Um, So, Wyndham and Hennig are at the top of the ramp, and they're kind of surveying things as uh, disorderly conduct uh, try to to jump the, the horseman. And... As this is going on, the TV camera is just focused on the ring as the as Benoit and Malenko are beating the guys up again. Mm. And the commentary, they have to say something about the tag champs being there. But because they're not actually in the building on the ramp looking at Hennig and Wyndham, they have no idea where the two of them are. <laughs> so there's a few seconds of going, are they on the way to the ring? Are they even still there? I don't know. And then it cuts back to them. It's like, oh, they are still there. Yes. <laughs> I did hear them say that, but it kind of wasn't really 
thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, no. Whereas, like, if they were in the building, it's like literally look to your left. <laughs> Are they there? Are they there? Yeah. Are they there right now? So yeah, they very clearly weren't there. Um, again, the the promo wasn't great from from Benoit or Malenko. Not that we had expected anything different, but I think as a whole it was the right go-home segment. You got the champs on screen. They didn't physically get involved with each other. You have to pay to see that. And the challengers steamrolled through a couple of jobbers. Yeah, no, uh, look, it was enjoyable. It did exactly what you needed to do. It built up Malenko and um, Benoit before the pay-per-view. Yeah. And we get a flashback then just to remind people of how the challenge was laid out for the Lumberjack Strap Match. Then we get the second full replay of a segment we saw literally on the last episode of Thunder, which we may have seen on the last two Nitros as well, for all we know. And that's the black and white NWO promo of uh, Hogan talking about Flair and David and himself and his son. Um, Putting his son at hospital. Again, last week we were talking about how it was so boring it was hard to keep track of, of what Hogan was saying. I got... I surmised a little bit more of his point here, but mm. it was still quite bad. Like, he's trying to essentially be a, you know, he's trying to babyface himself in his own head by saying that his mission is to take out Flair. Um, Flair has prioritized wrestling over family, and Hogan doesn't see that as being right. And, you know, that's why his son abandoned him and Hulk's son hasn't. Which is funny um, in hindsight. He has sacrificed everything in his life for wrestling, and now Hogan is going to take away the only thing he has in his life, which is uh, wrestling. And, like, that would be, like you said, with anybody else, that would be an interesting story to tell. But it is highly ironic coming from Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who didn't prioritize wrestling as much as making money through wrestling over everything else. Um, and certainly then, and then, over professional or personal relationships. I was just going to say, and then using his family to make more money. Indeed. Um, I. What's funny is that's the way he's trying to, like he's trying to make himself come off to be on the moral high ground that he in his head is the good guy here. But how it's coming off when he delivers it is lol you like wrestling you big loser yeah exactly to Ric Flair it's like like we said last week it's like he's just telling on himself a bit too much by saying it's like you have the gall to enjoy wrestling yeah then we get sorry no 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 go Uh, then we get count it number two cage vignette Uh, again the exact same one in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, 
I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Then we get, and I'm sure when these men came to the ring, Lee, you thought Matt Classic here. Uh, no, it's I, hack I, I generally only think, I generally only think that when uh, Cole Cabana comes to the ring. Yes, uh, beware of him. He will make you a human pretzel. He will, uh, as as his advertisement on WSX went. Uh, hack versus Barbarian with Jimmy Hart. Um, hack wearing a Sandman shirt. Do you see what he did there, Lee? I, see what I, he did? I see what he was doing there. Yeah. I'm thinking him and uh, and Scotty went shopping uh, at Forbidden Planet earlier that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think uh, you think they were planning each other's outfits? This is how, this is how um, curt and annoyed I was at this point of the show. <laughs> my next sentence here, in my notes is: this match is guaranteed piss. I mean, you weren't wrong. Uh, what did you think of uh, Hacks polka dot workout pants? I was going to say, his polka dot Zubaz? Yeah. I I was a bit disappointed because at first with the, like, obviously with the motion blur and stuff from the trying to HD uh, up-res uh, stuff for the, the network, it looked like he was wearing pinstripe Zubaz. They and did. I would yeah. have gone crazy if it was pinstripe Zubaz. So polka dot, a little bit disappointing by comparison. But... Uh, I, I laughed at that and I also laughed that he came out covered in barbed wire as he did for his first match and then immediately took it off. So that bit is dead. Two matches in. Yeah, like he very gently removed it off himself in the corner yeah. of the camera yeah. if you saw. Um, to add to Hack's, um, shall we say, lackluster attire, you then get Barbarian who six weeks, at, probably even longer than that after the breakup, is still wearing his face as a fear gear. Yeah. Can I immediately derail this match? I mean, yes. I heard, I misheard Heenan at the start of this match when he said something. And then for a moment during this match became obsessed with the idea of the two of us when we start our inevitable wrestling promotion to cash in on all this fame we have oh, on yeah. this podcast. You know, we, we get mobbed in the streets. You know how it is. Um when we start our wrestling promotion in the <laughs> in the same vein as the pitch for the evil architect building uh, uh thanks to this misheard bobby heenan quote i would like to uh give you the deathmatch construction worker bob wire <laughs> yeah yeah that would work yeah I, I obviously can't... We can't do barbed wire because of the movie. It would, it would have to be from Boston as well. Yeah, yeah. Barbed wire. Barbed wire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Played play by Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> What would Bob Wire's finisher be? 
He's an evil construction worker who does death matches. <sighs> hmm. Oh, workman's comp. Oh, you could you could also have something based around a union. Yeah, yeah. Instead of coming out with the the stop sign, like he comes out with the sign with the like you know wear your goggles, <laughs> health and safety sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh fuck! What about yeah, yeah? In our wrestling promotion, we do like a right to censor, but it's for workplace health and safety at the debt match. Prof- uh, promotion that would be <gasps> nuclear heat instead of uh, coming out and yeah doing the whole Stevie Richards thing you just walk around backstage going have you been injured in a workplace accident yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like uh, yeah it's a, ta- a tag team called health and safety and it's like Jim health and Gary safety <laughs> <laughs> the two blandest names <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oh, and <laughs> I think oh my god, the rivals, the rivals would have to be like reckless abandonment. <laughs> yeah, and think of like oh, think of the heat now. Like if one doing health and safety lectures at the st- like that's their that's their uh, new age outlaw stick is trying to do like a, a health and safety uh, routine at the start of every match, but. <laughs> Also, think of the heat now they'd get with a mandate gone in the States if, like, you're at a debt match promotion and they're trying to ensure social distancing. <laughs> Handing out goggles to everyone in the front row. Going around. Oh, God, one of their one of their weapons that they bring to uh, could be, like, a barbed wire trundle wheel to try and measure the, t- the two meters distance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I <laughs> <laughs> like Aster. Do you know it's like their? Do you know I like uh, <laughs> NWO would do like the the, the spray paint? You know yeah. NWO for life on people. It's like when they've when these evil heels have just beaten down one of the, the baby face deathmatch wrestlers. They just put, like, on top of their dead body, they just put down a, a tripping hazard sign. I was going to say they could stamp. Put, like, a, a stamp, like, this has been approved. They, oh, my God. Like, you know, they they come out in the middle of, like, just these, these bloodbath matches and they try to, to shut the match down because, like, you could slip on the blood. <laughs> Fuck, the heat. The heat. Oh, Brett's going to hear this and steal oh, our idea. Fucking Bubba Ray Dudley needs to change his trousers with all this heat <laughs> we're talking about. Oh, God. Fucking hell. Patent pending. Yes. <laughs> Just saying that now. And <laughs> nobody steal our idea. Oh, this is showing up on a show by WrestleMania weekend next year. The health and safety tag team in the Dead oh, profession. They're going to be in the fucking... Battle, that Janela Battle Royal, aren't he? What's it called? Oh, yeah, yeah, in the Clusterfuck. Clusterfuck, yeah, that's yeah, the thing, yeah. 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 Fucking hell. So anyway, Barb versus Hack. Um, uh, this match is dog shit. Um, <laughs> Barb, Barb, Barb whips off Hack's shirt. And I will say, like, immediately when he whips off his shirt... Um, the commentary starts slagging him for like being a fat slob, basically. But you know what? He's not as in half a bad like Nick as I would have expected. 
Yeah, because he's Hack. he's been training for the past couple of months to get in yeah. WCW shape. Yeah. yeah, and like fair play, you know that the, he's got the tan. Like his, you know, he's got a gut for sure. A man that drinks that much beer, like there's no way would he not have it. But the back is looking good. You know, he's he's not looking half bad. He's not looking like fucking Scott Steiner. Don't get me wrong. And I think I would be genuinely disturbed <laughs> if the Sandman had his shirt ripped off and he was fucking shredded to bits. <laughs> Modern day Austin Theory fucking under <laughs> Genuinely troubling if that's what happened. <laughs> well, wait till you see Hack by the end of his run. Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not much fear. Um, so, uh, outside brawling, uh, they get back in. Uh <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Hack attempts a 10-punch spot we've just seen in the match before, but it got reversed into one of the worst sit-out bombs I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Jimmy Hart... Like, so, I hated this finish. Mm-hmm. Very much. Did you hate this finish? Yeah, it made no fucking sense. Please, please walk people through the finish and why you hated it. So, I hated it for two reasons. Jimmy Hart gets onto the apron, picks up Hack's kendo stick... The referee at this point is drawn to Jimmy like a flight to shy. Um, <laughs> he throws the, the barbed wire. Like tough ar- Tom to a lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> he throws the uh, kendo stick to, to uh, Barb, who catches it. I think the better spot would have been if it missed Barb and Hack just caught it. But um, <laughs> I kind of would have liked it if it just had smacked Hack in the face and he took a bump. <laughs> he had to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Barb catches it, goes to maim Hack with it. Hack stops it and just very gently manoeuvres the kendo stick towards Barbarian's throat. Yeah. Where he acts like it's a fucking cattle prod because he gets all yeah. electric shock fucking. And yeah. then we get a uh, Russian leg sweep assisted. Or a kendo stick assisted Russian leg sweep for the win. I love, by the way, this. neither of these were the reasons I hated it. Um, but I do very much dearly love that the man who spent an enormous amount of ta- time in a tag team with Meng has no idea how to sell a blow to the throat. Yeah, it, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, he must hold the kendo stick at his throat for like five seconds. Yeah, and usually when he's not teaming with... Uh, with Meng, he's feuding with him. Yes. Still has no idea how to take a, uh, how to sell a throat shot. Um, but the two reasons I hated it: one, you can't distract the referee and throw a large weapon like that and have it be believable. It was very clear the referee could plainly see the Singapore cane in his hand and him hoofing it up into the air. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say. WCW referees are the dumbest people in the world. It could not have been more obvious if he had struck the referee with it as he threw it. Um, the other, uh, the other reason I hated this is because that spot happens, and then immediately when Hack does the cane-assisted Russian leg sweep, mm. he disposes of the cane out of the ring so as not to be told on by the referee. Lee, one week ago on this program, we were told Hack. that all of Hack's matches are no disqualification. Hack's rules, baby. Yeah. Yep. So they had to distract a referee and hide a weapon in a match that had no disqualification do you know what they could have done and here's an idea considering the roster they had at the time 
they could have just had Hack beat somebody that didn't need a distraction finish. Or just, just not have him wrestle. I would have been fine with that too. But yeah, your thing too works, I guess. I mean, that's Hack erasure and we can't have the... Yeah, yeah. God forbid. God forbid. We'll have all the fucking... His, his hardcore fan base on giving out to me. All the fucking hacktivists. <laughs> the hacktivists. <laughs> uh, Nash and Ray video package to music that made it sound like both of them died at some point since Nitro. Um, then we get... Okay, it's not a segment we've seen before, but it's a segment I think that we have been told about before. I think this was the parody segment that was mentioned. No, uh, the the parody segment was the oh yes the the one you're thinking of now the the yeah, horseman yeah. the NWO was the horseman yeah yeah, yeah. okay so the, well okay so this is even worse then so this is brand new and dog shit an excruciatingly long segment of Hogan and Nash doing MST3K sitting on a couch watching a you're very confused there yeah what the fuck is mst3k oh oh my god you want to talk about people hopping in our mentions uh so mystery science theater 3000 oh, it's okay. basically the, it's basically the show that invented the sit in front of a terrible movie and slag it off thing ah uh, okay yeah so that's basically what this hogan is, yeah. and, and, and nash are doing here except it's very bad it's very long and the worst part of it was, okay, so there's two parts of it that are really bad. One is that Nash is this guy that when he's not trying to be funny, he is extremely funny and charming. Mm-hmm. But periodically there are times where he thinks this is going to get people rolling in the aisles and he's dreadful. Yeah, when he forces the comedy, it doesn't work. And this is two men who think they're absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm finding out publicly that they're not because this was awful I much preferred when Hogan and Nash were not friends because then they were never in segments together and it was great they make a series of very bad and I don't mean in terms of like questionable content I mean questionable as to the nature of whether they're jokes or not Um, they make very bad jokes for quite a while trying to riff on what Flair is saying uh, in his promo and I was going to start writing down things they said but honestly it just wasn't worth my time there was two good Nash lines I'll give him credit for mm-hmm. so there's one where Nash says um, I, can't, I can't remember what it is that Flair says in the promo that they're watching but Nash goes when did he become so southern? Isn't he from Minneapolis? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, okay, that's good. And then um, Flair is talking about how, you know, he, I think it's like, oh, you know, 20 years ago, I met this woman in Raleigh, North Carolina, and, you know, she knows who the nature boy is. Yeah. And Nash just very quickly goes, and his name is Buddy Landell. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those are the two little bits that I got to giggle out of. But other than that, yeah, this is just way, way too long. They're burying Flair for like no purpose. There's no, there's no comeback to it, which just makes it pointless. Yeah, it's like clowning on a guy 
you know, is one thing, but it's one of those things where it goes against the time honored tradition in wrestling of like, if you don't build the guy up, who have you beaten? Mm-hmm. And I know it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's Ric Flair. It's not like people need to be alerted as to who Ric Flair is, but it's very much like the two guys are just like, fuck this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's not the cool kind of disrespect that the NWO originally were. It's just a kind of like, their priority in all this isn't like we're the we're the best heels in wrestling and we happen to be cool. It's like please, please, audience, acknowledge how cool we are. Like like, like us, but you, you know, don't everybody else know that you like us? Yeah. Uh, our next match is Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner versus Booker T and Rey Mysterio. Uh, two notes on the entrances here, Lee. Uh, Buff and Scott may have had the flexiest entrance of all time. Is that a thing now the flexiest? Yeah, they essentially sell for each other's entrances. Uh, when uh, Steiner Steiner now uh, it's firmly established the the you know the gradual flex of the bicep and the kiss mm-hmm. um, that is you know now a staple of his entrance for the many years hence. Um, Buff almost falls on the ground when he does it, and then screams down the barrel of the camera. Now that's an arm. <laughs> And this is after uh, Buff made sure you could see every one of his abs uh, for a lengthy period of kind of uh, flexing the abdominals in front of the camera as well. Um, The other note I have is, Lordly, there's a parallel universe in which we got a sustained tag team run of Booker T and Rey Mysterio, and it would have been the fucking best shit ever. Yeah. God, it would have been so good. Do, <laughs> like, do you remember that Booker T RVD theme for a while? Yes. Yes, I do. Apart from their awful music, that was a cool yeah. little run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but like Booker and, and Mysterio at this point, like the ultimate babyface team in WCW. How, how much of an, an upgrade are, are they to each other over Stevie Ray and Conan respectively? <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> It's a different fucking sport. Yeah, that that's just no comparison. Mm. Um, here, here's one for you. What would you give in 2022 on an indie show to get Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner recreating that entrance? Oh God, yeah. I don't. Do you know, like, for everything he's been through and stuff like that. Buff isn't looking too bad no, these he, days. Like he's he's looking older, but he's still buff daddy baby. He's still in decent shape. And you, you know, know being be with, with Paige is only gonna do him yeah. the world of good. Scott, you know, the figure is very much diminished, but he still, he still Scott when Steiner. I saw him at the when I saw him at the Hall of Fame, I actually thought he looked better than he had you know when he had his health scares mm. and everything like that, like he looked absolutely shocking. Um but he's looking a bit better. So um I, I thought you were just going to say, just see this tag team being goofs, and I'd be oh, yeah. all for it. All for it. Get get them um, and the doctor back. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Dr. Cecil Swartz. Yes. Um. So, oh, here, we got we got one of the rarest sights in nature in this match. Martial Arts Division Champion. Oh, well, yes. Martial Arts Division Champion competing, which yeah. is rare on television now for, for Scott. No, I was going to say, um, Ray slipping on a springboard. Yeah, very unusual. And it could have been real bad because, like, I think it's Buff, isn't it? He's going yeah, to springboard it's Buff on. For, yeah. 
And if Buff hadn't like fallen back at like exactly when he did, he could have absolutely snotted himself off the point of Buff's knee with his face. Or he, like, he could have buckled Buff's knee and it would have been a serious injury that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like it wasn't the smoothest catch to save him on the slip, mm. but it was like I think it was probably in a split second as well as Buff could have done to essentially try and cushion his fall. Yeah. Um, so fair play. Um, heat on Booker in the corner. Uh, it is at this point they mentioned a match for the pay-per-view that I'm not going to mention here um, because we'll save it for the end. But holy God, if we don't quit the podcast while watching that match, I will be shocked. Did, More on that later. Did, did you not see Aaron Quinn's post in the Discord? <laughs> I, I surely fucking did. <laughs> I surely fucking did. When Rich Crate is gone, are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hurt you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like we were moments away. Like Rich felt such secondhand, uh, like pity for us that like I was expecting a DM off and going, guys, you can skip this one if you want. No, no one will think any less of you. <laughs> wait, anyway, wait till we get to WCW two thousand for that. Yeah. Um, so while this, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I completely forgot about this until I was reading my notes. So while this match is going, Scott just goes after somebody in the crowd. Yes. And I was trying to Google to see if I could see if you know it was written about or something like that. Like, did he attack a fan? Did a fan yell something at him? What the hell happened? Definitely wasn't like a part of the match or anything like that. It was like Scott lost his temper well, to, with something that was happening. To be fair, for the rest of the match, whenever he's in the ring, he is addressing this fan singularly. And and even before he goes into the crowd, which, uh, again, another thing that tells you that this isn't part of the match is the camera is not showing what's happening. Uh-huh. is very deliberately sticking on the ring. But you can see even right before Scott goes, the crowd are already looking yeah. over. Something is happening. And Scott just drops off the apron and like runs over to the fence. And I think he goes over the he fence, does, doesn't oh, he? Oh, he goes into it, like yeah. about the third or fourth row by the looks of things. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to make out because they're not showing it. And then you, you um, just see about five seconds later all the WCW security staff running towards where Scott had gone. Yeah, and like his, again, it kind of seems to play into the rest of this match and it seems to annoy Booker in particular that Scott is so annoyed and so mm-hmm. distracted by this that he clearly loses his place in the match and what he's supposed to be doing. So there's a couple of moments where Booker essentially just like, I'm not saying he stiffs him, he, but he kind of just very much reminds yeah. him that we've got shit to do here. He tries there's to one get bit where on he, track. There's one bit where he just leathers Scott with a chop mm-hmm. as if to go, wake the fuck up, we're doing a match here. Yeah. It's on television. Um, and again, this is a tape show. They could have cut this the, match out. It didn't have to be left in, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, he gets back on the apron, tags in for a military press. Always very impressive when he does the, uh, like, when he's just pressing a guy up and down, even if it is Ray. Um, he's still eyeing the crowd and shouting at them with every move. Ray takes all the heat. Um, always, you know, you'll you'll never not enjoy, regardless of who the heel is, you'll never not enjoy Babyface and Peril Ray Mysterio. That's oh, so good. So good. You get... You get so invested. He's fighting tenaciously. But unfortunately, I think whatever happened in the crowd, this match oh, just, just lost it them. killed any moment. Like, it, on paper, it's just sound strategy of these two assholes from the Wolfpack 
beating up on Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Who gets a hot tag to Booker T. And that match runs itself. These two guys are beloved. And uh-huh. like right right at the end, the crowd do get back into it. But I think, you know, whatever they were trying to do here kind of gets yeah, lost. But it's, it's the whole WWE modern day getting back into it of, ooh, finisher. Yeah. Um, the, the huge hot tag to Booker does get a big mm. pop. Uh, baby faces fire off, uh, fire up. Uh, Ray attempts a sunset flip on Buff. He gets thrown into the thro- the turnbuckle really nastily. Um, missile drop kick from Booker. Ray is up. Then big splash and the win. Uh, and then like immediately afterwards, in one of those like, I know his gimmick is that he attacks referees, but part of me was like, did Steiner actually kind of just lose the plot here because he immediately runs into the ring and buckles the ref with a chair, mm-hmm. and then hits. Booker as well, but Booker to no me, sells. Booker no sells like this. The chair thing was completely ad libbed, and like fuck you, I'm getting out of here. It's the end of the segment. You've pissed me off enough for one night. Um, it was weird. It just felt there was like a weird tension. Yeah. Like Scott Steiner was on some different shit in this match, literally and figuratively. Who are you picking in that fight? Oh probably Booker. Uh, yeah, I mean, Scott was tough and like nobody wanted to fuck with him. But I think Booker is that kind of quiet tough. Yeah. Like we all, we all but, know the story of the yeah. SummerSlam photo shoot. Mm. Look, Scott is not the Steiner brother I'd be most afraid no. of being in a fight with. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> Just the very, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what you didn't see was when Lee said that, he literally leaned back from the mic, shaking his head. That's how like horrified the thought of fighting yeah. Rick is for him. Um, Raven Vignette, um, he says, in the time-honored tradition of violence being passed on to him by his parents, he passes it on to Hack and Bam Bam. Um, then it cuts to Hack, who didn't say much, but it was a shockingly lucid promo. Yeah, I mean, de- de- decent when it comes to getting across yeah. a point. Uh, then Bam Bam, who's the one who cuts like the enraged promo of a lot of them, uh, he's going to take them to the next level at the pay-per-view. And you know what? Between uh, Raven slagging them off and Bam Bam getting fired up here, I'm kind of ex- excited to see what two of the three men in this match can do. I mean, why, why are you shitting on Hack all the time? What's uh, Hack ever done to you? Look, look, I don't mean to enrage the hacktivist twice on one show, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hopeful for for that guy uh, putting on a classic at the pay per view. But we shall see. I will say, I have seen this match numerous times, and I'm not wrong. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> look, if the if you're telling me that this basically turns out to be that uh, Kane. Uh, big show raven match from x7 uh it might not be I'm that good it. but it's it's yeah along those lines i know everyone talks about it lee but like my favorite what if was what if you know because they rolled over the power cables in the golf cart and that and briefly cut the pay-per-view feed like there is an alternate universe where the pay-per-view feed for WrestleMania X7 didn't come back. I don't remember that. I remember I remember the brawl, yep. obviously, but I don't remember the pay-per-view feed down. Yep, yep. It, like, for, like, like that. And, like, people uh, Twitter often speculate, like, what if it had just ground the fucking show to a halt and either it didn't come back or, like, 
it just messed up everything else on the show and loads of stuff got cut. And like, well, we all know Vince would have went on with the show regardless. Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, it's such a, like, it's such a weird night. Because <laughs> they all said the, the Tommy Dreamer thing that I just can't. That has tainted oh, X7 sick. forever, thinking of the Tommy Dreamer thing, which uh, I mentioned him earlier in the show, but my co host on uh, Link to the Cast, Jack Lazell, only found out about that Tommy Dreamer thing last week. What? And it took, us, it took us several minutes to convince him this wasn't like a planned storyline thing. It's like, no, no, he was actually going to do that for real. Just to prove a point for no reason. Yeah. If, if no one knows what we're talking about, good. <laughs> Don't look it up because it really like it really makes you feel weird about WrestleMania X Seven sometimes. Yeah, and it makes me it makes you feel especially weird about Tommy Dreamer. Imagine being on a wrestling card and Chris Benoit isn't the worst person on it. <laughs> Fucking hell! I like the way <laughs> on this show I'll bring up some dark stuff or make a make a reference to something and you'll like clutch your pearls and go oh heaven forfend sometimes <laughs> and yet you just flat out say shit like that what and you know well this deep into the show I'm not going to bother my whole editing it out you don't edit things you always say you do you don't I almost never uh, I only edit in cases of legitimate libel that we <laughs> that you, you, that we've done. you and Bubba the Love Sponge have to be the worst video editors. <laughs> what a steamed <laughs> company you've put me in. You goddamn piece of shit. Uh, sorry, I'm watching King of the Ring 93 and Hogan just got squashed by Yokozuna. <laughs> so that's why he's in my mind. <laughs> Uh, oh Jesus! If, right, <laughs> let's let's try try to get this back on the. Oh God, we can't even get no, this we back can't because it's another is, horrendous segment. I will say throughout this entire segment, I had a child screaming in my ear, and I think it was uh, and I think it was better than if I had heard what was actually being said in this segment. Okay, there's one line right at the beginning that popped me. So. Nash and Hogan are going to visit Samantha, a.k.a. Tori Wilson. And where is she? The fucking gun range. Why? Shooting. I don't Q-Q. fucking know. Yeah, like, I, I think that may have legitimately been, oh, we'll do it at the shooting range because we're shooting. Uh, may legitimately have been the idea for why they staged it here. It, like, it just made no fucking sense at all. Like, is she, it supposed to be that like she's dangerous? Fucking Samantha's in there like Clarice Starling at Quantico doing her fucking pistol <laughs> shooting exams. Like, <laughs> Does that mean Hogan's Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> I think it means David Flair's Hannibal Lecter. But that would be ascribing too much personality. That fucking gormless piece of trash. Anyway. <laughs> So she's at the gun range and the line that pops me is straight away like Hogan and Nash walk into frame and like Hogan's trying to be all cool and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I don't know why. He definitely didn't. But in my head, it's like fucking Nash slides into frame and just says, hey, girlfriend. <laughs> like just the most 
<laughs> sitcom nerd trying to be cool. Oh yeah, I'm with it. I, you know, like all that was missing was him trying to awkwardly rest his arm on something. Like, hey, girlfriend, trying to be like too cool for school. And so he's I, like, like the Dan a comedy. Yeah, I just, I just absolutely died laughing at that. Um, then they like they say. We reckon uh, we've come up with a plan, and we reckon you should exercise one of your multiple talents. And then they all start doing like corny, like Doctor Evil cackling. Like it's one of those things where like he's sitting around with with Number Two and Frau Farbissina, and they're all like ah, <laughs> like longer than it's funny. <laughs> with Seth Green in the background, just going <sighs> so fucking weird, man. So fucking weird. This segment. Uh, they all agree on the right. So they all agree they're going to meet up later and talk about it. And it's like, uh, Samantha goes, oh, at the usual meeting place. And when she said that, I was like, this is a touring wrestling company. They're in a different city now. <laughs> they were in a different city last time they presumably met. What do you mean the usual fucking... Oh, fuck off. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you're, you're thinking way too much about this. No, uh, you want to talk about thinking too much about it. They're like, how long are you going to be? Like, you know, until you're finished up. And she goes, a couple of hours. What the fuck? What is she doing there? <laughs> is she trying out a whole arsenal? It's like as soon as they go, it's like, right, okay, take out the RPG. Take out the AK-47. I'm going to shoot that for a while. Who the fuck? Like, she looks like... The the inference you get from the scene is that she's already been there for quite a while. It's like, because the boys are somewhere else earlier and decide to go and meet Samantha who is already at the gun range when they leave wherever they were to go see her at the gun range. So she's been there quite a while. And they're thinking she's going to be there long enough that when we leave and go to there, she will still be there. Maybe maybe she brought a packed lunch. Did, like, is it... Like, I, I don't know. I have not frequented the gun range. Is it somewhere that like after you pointlessly shoot a pistol that will never become part of this wrestling storyline for several fucking hours, waste a, a small gulf-sized conflict's worth of bullets <laughs> that you have to individually pick each one up and that's why she's going to be there for a couple more hours? I don't know, mate. I don't know. The fucking, and we will never I, get the answer. I get the impression you don't know how gun ranges work. No, I've never been to one, Lee. I've never... Would you believe that? I've never been to one. They don't have a lot near where I live. They do. Oh, they have, like, clay pigeon shooting and yeah. stuff like that. But they don't have, like, your... It's an action movie and I'm, like, pret- you know, pretending oh, this the, target... The, the, the pissed-off cop. Yeah, I'm not... Like, I'm, this is this is fucking Mendoza from... Like, Mendoza! No, we don't have that kind of place. We don't... I, I'm no. not fucking LARPing that I'm in Quantico every fucking weekend, funnily enough. No. And you say, like, you're fucking Joe Bang over there. Like, fucking... Little do, listen, little do listeners know because we don't have a video version of this podcast Lee comes down on Zoom armed to the fucking teeth every week <laughs> with my don't tread on me hoodie yeah. Lee is one bad match away from recreating falling down that's that's where <laughs> Lee is at <laughs> oh god yeah I, I mean listen there's, there's always the possibility that one high voltage match will send me over the edge. Yeah. So, uh, fast forward to dinner. They are at dinner. 
Um, the notable part from this is so it's it's Hogan, Nash, and Samantha at the start, and uh, absolutely lost it at one point when I realised Nash was calling Hogan T. <laughs> Excuse me, he was calling him T, capital T, you know, for Terry. And I thought ter- Terry and Hulk were different. Yeah, well, they are different in cer- in certain ways, <laughs> which court documents will testify to. I really wish fucking what was the the thing he sued the media Gawker. company Gawker had like taken out clips of this well here's Kevin Nash referring to you as T on WCW Thunder you know like periodically you think to yourself when there's people you know outside of the bubble who know you're a wrestling fan and you think I'm so thankful they have no idea how weird wrestling is. You know? I I genuinely tend to think that whenever my wife is in the room and I'm watching... One of the things that I would find it so hard to explain why this is a thing I enjoy is if I ever had to explain to somebody that in a deposition, Hulk Hogan had to explain... That he and the fictional character he portrays have different penis sizes. <laughs> With, and I wasn't in the courtroom, I presume a completely straight face. Do you think he had visual aids? <laughs> he just had a ruler. He had had, had Bob Wire's trundle wheel. (laughs) Obviously, I mean, you know, things to help show the size, not visual aids. (laughs) Or people to help him, who knows? Well, I mean, you probably had Beefcake with him, so he's a visual aid. The the penis would like to call witnesses. (laughs) Like, um, oh, uh, Big Mouth on... Do you ever watch Big Mouth? No. Uh, You should watch the first two seasons after that gets you... But uh, yeah, there's there's talking penises in the yeah, or like um, Pam and Tommy. Um, I have not watched that yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen that scene where he has a an extended dialogue scene with his own penis. I've been told about it. It's it's quite something. I'll tell you that. Um, hey, listen, if, if there's any one person in history who I believe has had full blown conversations with his penis, it's Tommy Lee. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to say is Sebastian Stan who plays Tommy Lee in the show. It's like, okay. Um, anyway. Well, I don't know him that well. Back to Nash and fucking T at dinner with Samantha. Um, T says that they have the belt, they have the kid where they want him, David Flair, uh, and Flair is on the run. They're going to expose him. And they say, there is a plan B. Plan B is a girl. And... Uh, Samantha is hyping up so this is a girl Samantha knows Samantha is hyping up how how hot she is and Hogan says in a line that will haunt me till the day I die she can touch my moustache oh god yeah I could I could have lived right over here now yeah um Samantha reckons because they were like you know how hot is she you know if, you, if you're a 10 and you are a 10 you know brother uh you know, what's she? And she's like, oh, easily a 12. Uh, at this point, we get introduced to Denise, who is the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and my understanding of the plan is that uh, Denise is set to seduce any number of flares. Because at various so, points, it sounds like she's going to distract 
uh, or seduce David and possibly or Rick. See, obviously I couldn't hear this whole conversation, but my impression was that they were going to try to seduce Rick. Yeah. But then they say something about the kid and trying to get him... Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's really fucking weird. And I can't remember where this goes. And it may just be that I've suppressed it. Because it doesn't feel like something I... I. It feels like I definitely read about it, if not saw how this plays out before. Dave, you watched this, this like today. Yeah, within 24 hours, and I can't remember. I'm already my brain is actively trying to block something I just saw stop remembering yeah please stop you don't want to remember this we then get a hype video for the strap match uh, which leads us into our main event um, as disco main event season continues it's disco inferno versus Ric Flair Um, weird yeah like again we still love the payoff that now he's part of the NWO Disco is, is getting main events and mm-hmm. Disco's a guy who like again I'm, I, I've i been been down on I've slagged him off when he's been bad but I think I, I've always stood by and, and you've attested to it as well that in there with the right guy and minimising the shtick he can be led to something mm-hmm. pretty decent and do you know what I like this match I thought it was fine. It was it, again adequate wrestling on TV. Like it must have been over ten minutes. Well, with ads thrown in, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, look, not every match needs to be a four star match no. on TV. Yeah, this match served its purpose. You got Ric Flair taking on an NWO guy right before the pay per view. Yeah, he gets to win with his finish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was fine. Disco, if I had one complaint, I think Disco took a little bit too much. Yeah. But other than that... Yeah, yeah. that if it was going to be a largely one-way match, maybe it should be somebody that they're not trying to do something with, which they are mm. clearly trying to do something. Um, But it probably wouldn't have been as good because a lot of those people who are... You can just beat like a drum in the NWO are significantly worse in the ring Har- than Disco. Horace Hogan. That's why they're significantly <laughs> worse. Um... So uh, I did love, there's a couple of spots here where Flair struts and then mocks Disco's disco dancing. Loved that. Um, they do mass exchanges. Actual wrestling on my wrestling show, heaven for fend. Um, it's fairly back and forth for a couple of minutes until Flair absolutely crumples Disco with a chop. Yeah, great. Loved it. Uh, all Nate. Disco attempts a figure four, um, which... Uh, line of the night on commentary goes to Bobby Heenan here where Tony goes he's going for a figure four and Heenan goes he can't count that high (laughs) Um, they go to a break right as Disco gets the figure four in and we come back to see Flair doing his getting thrown off the top rope spot Um, Disco back in the match now whips Flair up over the top rope to the outside Uh, strike exchanges on the outside before Disco gets an eye gouge in back into the ring Um, like I said Back and forth, pretty damn good, honestly. Um, I think for the most part, you know, there is moment there are moments in the match where you might argue that Disco is getting a little bit more, uh, or a little bit more than he necessarily should have against Flair going into such a big match at the weekend. But I'm looking at this going, Flair, because of how, you know, it's not completely one sided, but there's a definite like the match is telling the story of there being a gulf between these guys. Mm-hmm. And what it's showing is, to me, Ric Flair is ready 
and focused on his wrestling. He is a world championship contender. He is the nature boy. He's feeling his oats heading into Sunday. But what it's also telling me is this match went in around 10 minutes and Disco Inferno hung in there with the 14-time world champion. You know what I mean? It's one of those soon-to-be 14-time world champion, yes. Um, You know, it's telling the story that, yes, he was beaten... It wasn't like on the level of, you know, it, it wasn't a Ray getting the upset against Nash or, you know, various other kind of like victory and defeat things we've seen over the years. But it's a decent like it, if you had told me during the heyday of the Dancing Fools that Disco would get, you know, 10 minutes where he got some offense in against Flair. I'd be like, yeah, pull the other one, mate. You know, mm. so it, it does do something for him, I think. Yeah, no, he gets credibility from hanging in there. Like, like you said, like. It's the little thing of, yeah, now he's NWO, he's main event worthy. Yeah. And that gives instant credibility. And hanging with Flair for 10 minutes, yeah, he yeah. gets a little bit more credibility. Uh, and then we get to the finishing stretch where Flair is like, right, I'm done playing with my food now. I'm going to show the people here and I'm going to show Hulk Hogan that I'm a killer. So he starts ramping up the aggression as we go into the final couple of minutes. Um we get we're back in the ring and he just flat out just starts punching disco in the head and disco folds like an accordion when he hits the ground flair immediately follows up with like the garvin stomps and Mm -hmm. then the figure four and submits him straight away and i i honestly i loved this finish because it wasn't like i'm going to wrestle you into the figure four it was just relentlessly beating him and beating him and beating him until he was limp and then tapped him out. Yeah, he literally beat him up upon the head until he couldn't take any more. And then he was just like, yeah, figure four. Yeah. Um, Show ends straight away. Uh, Or maybe not. It seems like they're wrapping up, but then we get more metalwork vignettes. Uh, And this is the one with the voiceover to end the show. Um, so we're heading into Uncensored 99, and I believe there's some sort of cage match going on. Um, weird. Who, who, could, who could possibly know, Dave? Uh, well, we're about to find out who could possibly know as we go to our traditional pre-pay-per-view game. Actually, no. Do you know what? First off, let's do the usual wrap-up and say, Lee, what did you think of the show overall? Your winners and losers, if you please. I believe the term you used was dog piss at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. I, I honestly blacked out for a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my burials there. Um, no, look, it was the the wrestling on the show was fine, but it's just the, the repeated video packages. Like, I get it. They're they're really pushing this Hogan Flair match, and you know it was one of the biggest matches they still had at this point. Mm-hmm. But it it's overkill. There, yeah. There's there's a limit to how heavily you can push something. <coughs> Roman Reigns, um, <laughs> yeah, not a good go home. Like after two two or three really good go home shows, this one is really on the lower end of yeah. um, selling a pay per view for me. I think the tag title match has just got about just enough coverage to be like one that. One of the more anticipated matches on it, the show. It, it's really the only other match they gave a proper push to. Like, yeah, the the three way a little bit, but mm. this is the only one that like got multiple vignettes as well as a match. And they're and they're pushing that. It's a big night for the Horsemen. So yeah. that 
you know, that works. Yeah. They're, they're basically teasing you in with the horsemen could stand tall with draped in gold by the end yeah. of the night. For the first time in three years, the horsemen are going to get their moment. Yeah. Um, winners and losers. Um, I, Raven. Raven had a really good night at her. Like, yeah. between the couple of promos, the, the match itself. Um, like you said, Disco's got a little bit more credibility after that main event. Um, losers, God, um, bar- barbarian just looks fucking ridiculous. Yeah, disorderly um, conduct, disorderly conduct, absolute geeks. Yeah, yeah. Now look, a below par show is how I'd describe it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, your finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga has five matches on this show with four clean finishes and one interference leading directly to a finish. Um. Lee, are you ready now? As is tradition, if you're a new listener around these parts, the tradition is before a pay-per-view, we will see how well WCW Thunder plugs its pay-per-views by getting Lee to guess the card in no particular order. All he's given is how many matches there are and he has to see how many he can name based on only watching the Thunders and the odd Nitro uh, when the occasion presents itself. So, Lee... There are nine matches on Uncensored. It can't be. I I legitimately, for a couple of these, had to scroll back to the top of the page to make sure I was on the right year. Fuck. Uh, Okay. Hogan Flair cage match. Can I just say, by the way, before you get that, before you say this, I won't penalise you. Firstly, I won't penalise you if you don't get all the steps in some of these matches. But what I will say is I will guarantee you right now you will not get 9 out of 9 because there is one of these matches that fucking melted my brain. Okay. Right. right. Anyway. So start so, there. Hogan Flair with like 18 different stipulations. Yes. Yes. By the we way, have... there there is also another stip that will get added by the pay-per-view. Oh my God. Um... Benoit Malenko versus Henning and Wyndham strap match. That's two. Or Lumberjack strap match. Um, Harlem Street Fight, baby. Vincent versus Stevie Ray. That is the one that, like, if we don't quit this show, by the end of that, we'll probably make it to the end of Thunder. For control of the NWO black and white. Every day we stray further from the light of God. Do you remember when the job squad had a feud over who was the leader? Mm-hmm. Very, go. yeah, shades, yeah. Um, okay, uh, Booker T versus Scott Steiner for the TV title. Yes, that is four, I believe. We have Kevin Nash versus Raymond Mysterio. Yes, that's five. Okay. Raymond so Mysterio. I have... Over 50%. Yes. It gets pretty weird after this. Now we're struggling. Kidman. Does Kidman have a match on the show? He sure does, Lee. Is it a singles match? He sure does, Lee. Is it Kidman versus Travel? It is not, Lee. Ooh. Can I say that I could confidently give you 50 guesses and you would not guess who this is 
Oh, okay, yeah. Unless you happen to have seen this match already. Because this mm. is not one you can take a blind stab at, I don't think. Is it somebody that we have seen featured on WCW television? Not even one time. Okay. <laughs> so and an by out- the way, it's a cruiserweight championship match. So it's an outsider that has been brought in for this match. I don't know. They could be on every Nitro. Are they American? Yes. An American cruiserweight. I'll come back to that one. Um, sure. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on five. I'm on five. Okay. And you know Kidman is going to be one of them. So you're like five and a half. Okay. Um, so that leaves you three. I'm trying to think who's been featured on this fucking show. There's like the oh, one Sa- other match. Saturn Jericho. Oh yeah, okay. So that's that that's some, actually six. Is that some kind of dress match? Um dog collar match, remember? Yes. Where Saturn came out last time with the dog oh, collar yeah, saying the, the, as the, I'm into the, bondage. Into, yeah, okay. Um Okay, Saturn Jericho. So two matches and then we're back to this. I will say one of these matches is one that has been promoted on this show that we just watched. Really? Yeah, with a match and a and a, 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 a promo segment. Oh yeah, the, the the triple threat match. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now okay. you're down. Now you're down to what is it? Yeah, one one and one the other half of the cruise fucking league. throw your hands up in the air match, and then Kidman's opponent is Finley in the match. Nope. Brian it, Adams. It is one that has technically been promoted in the last couple of weeks. But I would forgive you, quite honestly, for uh, not remembering. Brian Adams? Nope. No. Okay, give me the give me the one match I'm not gonna get. Well, I can give you the stip and you might get it. Okay, go for it. It's a handicap match. Oh, Ernest and Ernest Miller and um, Sonny Ono against yeah. Jerry Flynn. Yeah, Jerry Flynn. Yeah. Jerry Flynn on paper, you fuck. So now, okay, so we come American to Billy Kidman's opponent. An American cruiserweight that we have not seen that for some reason is getting unless closer. unless I hit my fucking head off something and forgot there like this person has not appeared on any program we've watched. And I'm pretty sure I can confidently say he oh, hasn't. I, I do know who it is. Yeah. I know because I've seen this match previously. Yes, you'd have to. It's Mikey Whipwreck. It is Mikey Whipwreck. You want to know something else about this match? It's what? the second longest match on the show. Okay, that, that means, uh, you know what? I don't hate this pay-per-view for that reason because I remember this match being okay. It's longer than the cage match. Oh god, thank god. The only match that's longer than it is tag uh, the tag match, and the tag match is only a minute longer than it. So, like, this is like Where- the the cruiserweight title match goes tr- 14 minutes 57 seconds. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, Mikey fucking Whipwreck. <laughs> In 1999, yep. Yeah. On WCW pay per view. 
as far as I know, he only lasts like two months in the company. I just couldn't. I like I. That's why I kept scrolling up, going, "Yeah, nineteen ninety. I do not. I have no memory of this at all." Um, here we go. Uh, he left ECW for World Championship Wrestling in late nineteen ninety eight. He made a surprise his surprise WCW debut at the uncensored pay per view. So it is his company debut. And does it say when he leaves? He made three more pay-per-view appearances. I won't what? tell you which ones because I don't want to uh I don't want to spoil it. He left WCW after several months, disillusioned by his lack of push. Fucking hell. Because like in my head he's back in ECW by like mid to late ninety nine. He is. He returns he returns in October. Yeah, his, because his, he's into the tag team with Tajiri. His last uh WCW match is on the August 23 Nitro against Chase Tatum. That's the bodyguard dude, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Or was that Swall? Was that, was that fucking Swall? I can't remember. Uh, so, uh, in... Da, 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 da. So he signed in 1998. Uh, Did nothing for three months. He then he shows up uh, as a member of Masterpiece No Limit Soldiers. Oh, sorry, Chase on there. Feuds with the rest West Texas Rednecks. Um, his career lasted less than two years, um, and left him with severe back problems. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and passed away in two thousand and uh, here, I'll tell you what, here's your Chase Tatum fact before we wrap up the show. In 2007, Chase Tatum appeared in the comedy film Who's Your Caddy alongside rapper Big Boy of Outcast. He also worked as a road manager and personal assistant for Outcast. Wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, do you know what? This show has gone all kinds of places I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest shows we've ever done, man. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of it. I'll stand by it. <laughs> right. Guys, we'll be back in two weeks uh, for Uncensored 99 and then following up the pay-per-view with uh, a fresh slice of Thunder Request Live. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Can you hear the thunder?